Drink it in, man. Deep left side carry on. Picks up a block. At the five. At the two. At the one to the end zone. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Drink it in, man. Get up, Stafford throws. It is end zone. Time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Detroit Kool-Aid, what is going on, everybody? We are back. We were gone last week. We're back this week to talk some Detroit Kool-Aid. And I got Grifka on the other end of the line. And Grifka, before you respond, I got a little something for you. The Grifka Bell is back. Everybody is back in the building. Grifka, buddy, how are you? Hello? Oh, oh, I'm sorry I'm late. Uh, you know, if it's good enough for a head coach, I, I thought it'd be good enough for us if, if one of us just showed up late, you know. So it's cool. If Matt Pat can show up for stuff late, I figure I could too. So it's cool. I, I'm here now, man. But Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Griff, why you got to go there right off the get-go? I mean, you, you're. I, have you been reading Dave Burkett articles or what are you doing here? I mean, this guy's no, making man, a big I'm, deal I'm thinking, out of I'm, nothing. I'm like, thinking oh, about wow. signing up for Twitter and following him, though, just so I know what you're always talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you don't ever show up to a, a meeting at work and, and the main boss is always a couple minutes late. What's he supposed to show up 10 minutes before all the all the lackeys get there? No, the guy shows up when his work's done. Like, come on, get out of here with that. <laughs> <Don't do> that. <laughs> Sorry, man. Had to do it, man. <laughs> Jeez. I thought you keeled over there on the other end of the uh, the line. I thought I was going to have to find a new co-host. So, um <laughs> So, Grifka, we're back. Uh, life got in the way. Schedules got busy. We uh, couldn't get a show out last week, but we're happy to be back this week. We're going to talk about uh, this crazy uh, final game of the year where uh, the Lions went into uh, Lambeau Field there and just laid an absolute beat down on the Packers. And uh, we're also going to talk about Bobby Quinn's press conference. Uh, my guy, the GM, finally came out of his cave and spoke, and uh, I absolutely loved it. So we're going to get to all the different things he's had to say. And uh, and and whatnot. So, you got anything before we get rolling? No, let's jump back into this. All right, man, let's do it. And the first item of business news and notes before we get going, Jim Bob, he gone. <laughs> Your boy. Yeah, he's, yeah I'm, um, I, I hope he packed up his uh, two pages of his offensive playbook <laughs> and he was able to fit into his uh, into his uh, knapsack and uh, you know he he was able to find his car okay. You know. Um, Maybe we'll actually get somebody who wants to pass the ball, you know, farther than three yards down the field. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you saw it. I don't think I texted it to you, but I did put it on the uh, Detroit Kool-Aid, Detroit underscore Kool-Aid Twitter feed. I was like, Jim Bob Cooter's the smallest play sheet in the league. I mean, it's like a half a napkin. 
it's unbelievable. It's like these other guys got uh, triple ply uh, laminated sheets with everything under the sun. This guy's got, you know, three runs to the right, a three yard pass and, a you know, a slant route. That's all he's got. It's crazy. He's got, he's got a tech mobile playbook, four plays. <laughs> and what? And, he, and the worst part is he doesn't have the uh, the L.A. Raiders, you know, for the four streak route, you know, where the the four go routes. He yeah. doesn't have that one in there. Yeah, that's a that's classic play call, no doubt. So, like you say, in all seriousness, I mean, when Jim Bob came on, I mean, I thought he did a great job that first little bit. You know, him and Stafford seemed to really uh, have that connection and got the offense going. But man, these last year and a half or so has just been uh, they've been stuck in mud and just not working. And uh, you know, I don't I don't think that Jim Bob can't go somewhere else and and be a decent you know, offensive coordinator or an offensive mind in the league, but it just wasn't working here. um, Wasn't innovative enough. Wasn't consistent enough. And uh, our, our quarterback, which, you know, we'll get to both probably today and in future shows, just, just didn't have what he needs to win big ball games and play good football. So, um, you know, I was happy that they did make the move. There was a part of me that thought, man, they might keep this guy, you know, they might hang on to him because, you know, I just had a weird feeling, but to get rid of them, they've kind of been slow here. Not much coming out about the new person, but I think the new guy will be a Matt Pat, you know, type of hire and that's going to help. So that should be good. Yeah. We can uh, talk about the new offense coordinator when one is decided on, but uh, Jim Bob, I just don't know if he was in innovative enough. I think when he first came on, it was, you know, a new offense teams had a little, you know, struggle figuring them out, but over the last few years, I just think other teams figured them out, and they just kind of kept running the same stuff over and over again. And they were able to, uh, they were the you know figure it out and you know plan for it. Where he wasn't able to adjust when he, when other teams would see that oh, okay, this guy stopped me, we got to run something different. He just kind of kept you know running the same playbook, and uh, I think that really hampered the Lions. So hopefully, the new offense is a little more innovative. I mean, from reading Matt Patricia's you know and hearing his stuff, it. I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but uh, um, let's hope there's a little more explosiveness coming out of this offense on what we've had the last couple of years. Yeah, I think it'll be good. Like you say, we'll talk about it more when they make a hire, but I don't know that you need the new 30-year-old with all the crazy plays. I think we do need a guy, though, that you know can kind of just – reinvent what they've done in the past, you know, probably challenge Stafford a little bit, bring in a few more playmakers and, and really get them home. And so that's what I'm hoping for. You don't always need to sling it 50 times. I think running and being conventional works if you do it well. So Grifka, the only other thing, news and notes that I had was um, they got rid of kind of like their salary cap guy, which was a guy who Bob Quinn brought in and they brought in somebody from the Arizona Cardinals. So that was kind of like the major front office move so far that I've heard of. And like you say, there's some rumblings of, you know, some other minor coaches have left and, and new ones will be coming. But, you know, I, I don't know the salary cap guy makes a ton of difference, but it was nice to uh, to see that they're making some changes up top. I mean, anything else strike your uh, radar? Um, you know, not at this point. I'm not quite for sure. I realize, you know, salary cap guys are important. I'm not quite for sure if it's the salary cap guy that uh, – you know, it's kind of put this team in where it's at, or maybe they're just trying to get some new blood with like a, with the um, new salary cap being, you know, introduced and, or announced, you know, at the beginning of the new uh, football 2019 year. That usually happens, you know, roughly right after the Super Bowl when the uh, 
when the schedule goes, it's, you know, everybody knows it's not like right at the end of the Super Bowl. It's always like, what, a couple weeks after or something like the new year starts. And that's when they make the announcements with the salary cap. Maybe they're just looking for something a little different. Um, I guess my biggest question is if Bob Quinn brought this guy in, you'd think you'd trust him. And all of a sudden it's just like, oh, no, we don't want this guy. I don't know if they really, if this guy's really okayed or said, yeah, we got the money for like bad contracts per se, but I, I, I don't know. I just, salary cap gurus to me are just, they're number crunchers. I mean, that's what they are. Unless they can find somebody better at hiding money or, you know, doing something like that, you know, if that's the case, so be it. But I guess salary cap guys to me, they're just number crunchers or like they're auditors at companies, you know, either you have the money for it or you don't. So yeah. maybe, maybe well, this new guy will have a better way to cook the books and they can afford a bunch of guys with, uh, with the salary cap money to have. Cause I think it was, I read they'll have what the, what the 14th, in the league out of, you know, 14th most amount of money, which 14, you know, it's only middle of the way. So everybody's, you know, I keep reading all the stuff. They're going to go sign all these guys. But, I mean, obviously there's 13 other teams with more money than what the Lions will have. So I'm not quite for sure. Yeah, not a huge impact. I mean, let's be happy about one thing, Griff, because it's not Tom Lewan back there pulling the trigger anymore. Um, to, to me, and it, real quick, though, it's not all of a sudden, Griff. I mean, Bob Quinn, this, this is – you know, he's been here a while now, so he brought this guy in. He worked with him for a few years, didn't work out uh, for whatever reason. He's just moving on to a new face with maybe some new ideas. I don't think it's about hiding money or moving money around. It's just about, hey, um, you know, somebody that maybe is just a little bit better at their job and, and somebody that is going to mesh better with Matt Pat maybe than he did with, with Caldwell. I mean, that's all I think it is. But f- changing the front office a little bit and, and keeping those scouts going and all that stuff is really important. Remember, we used to have people here for a lifetime that just probably were horrible at their jobs. So keep churning them out, I think, is good. So uh, if you got nothing else, man, I, I say we jump right into this Packer beatdown and talk some Bobby Quinn. Yeah. All right, man, let's do it. Uh, let's let's drink some of that Detroit Kool-Aid, everybody. So, uh, man, final game of the year, me and Grifko were super down on it. We were just thinking this team doesn't have a lot of life. They've really been losing. They've got a ton of injuries. We both expected them to go into Lambeau and kind of, you know, just lay an egg, have a real tough day at the office, and uh, the absolute opposite happened. I mean, the Lions had a bunch of nobodies out there on the offensive side of the football, and they look sharp. They look crisp. I mean, a couple of my quick hits, Griffin, I thought Stafford looked sharp as a tack. You know, uh, you know, wasn't doing anything phenomenal, but he was making throws, accurate throws. He looked to be moving around a little bit in the pocket. He was moving sticks, making uh, plays that were out there consistently, which we hadn't seen in a long time. So, I mean, those were flashbacks. The only bummer is, and I know everybody out there is thinking it, even if you're a huge Stafford fan, is why does he seem to do this when none of the games matter? There's nothing on the line. You know, the other team's not playing football. He's looking sharp. And then when the lights are brightest and everything's going, he usually can't get it get it turned up. So that's something to think about. I mean, a couple other quick hits I had before I throw it to you, Griff. I mean, your boy TJ Jones showed up. This other guy, Andy Jones, who we always heard of but barely ever saw, he's out there making plays. I mean, I thought that was crazy. You got no running backs. We were able to run the football. Uh, that was crazy. And, man, I think the one of the big reasons we had this beatdown was uh, getting Aaron Rodgers out of the football game early because as much as terrible as the Packers looked throughout that game, if Aaron Rodgers is in there, I guarantee he's slinging the ball around uh, on us and making us – look a little silly and putting up points so knocking him out early was great love to do that anytime it can happen 
And, uh, yeah, the Packers just played terrible. I mean, didn't look like they wanted to be there, didn't show any fight. We did show fight, which was great and frustrating at the same time. So uh, a shutout's always awesome. Put up 30-some was great. I mean, what would you think of this game, Griska? Yeah, I just remember during that game, I texted you at one point. I'm just like, are the Packers even trying? I mean, because like you said, the Lions had a bunch of no-names out there on offense, and they were just chewing them up. And, and, uh, you, you get a bell, Grifka, because that, that breaks your your rule again. You did text me. I did not text you. You said you never do that. And it was a negative Grifka text because our team's out there playing good, and all you're worried about is the other team not playing football. So I'm giving you another bell for that because that's classic Grifka. Go ahead. Um, but uh, I, was, I was surprised how much life this uh, team came out with. Uh, like I said, we were both kind of down, and I thought they would just kind of be going through the motions, just wanting, you know, you know, hopefully, you know, get the bags packed and get out of there. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, this is probably one of their better games. I know I always, I always like when they beat, you know, division rivals, no matter where there are and how it affects their draft status. But it's nice. I mean, four year, four games in a row, they beat the Packers, you know, I mean, that hasn't happened. I think was, I read since well, like the early eighties. I know. So, uh, you would know, I remember you don't remember that, but, uh, I don't even vaguely remember that because those Lions teams and those Packer teams at that time were both dog teams. So, uh, um, and uh, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, I think he was almost looking to get sacked so he could give him a reason to get out of the game. I mean, he was looking for <laughs> first hit, you know, first hit, I'm going to act like I'm injured and then act like, oh, I'm a little woozy. Please take me and go check in concussion. <laughs> I mean, so I'm I'm always stoked that they, uh, they can go into Lambeau, get a W. I think it just kind of builds momentum and uh, – it helps the team, at least going into the off season. I think it really shows. I'm not saying like the lines are on the ascent, but I think it's one of those things where it kind of showed that the uh, that the Packers were uh, they're kind of descending. You know, for all those uh, all those years, they seem to be you know sitting on high. And I think it's one of those things where they actually this year kind of shows they're uh, they're really on the descent. They're really going to have to do some rebuilding with that. And you know, Aaron Rodgers wasn't what he used to be. Aaron Rodgers used to be able to make look any wide receiver look good. I mean, I know he had a new crop of guys, but there were so many games out there where he was just kind of like looking at them and you could tell he was frustrated with these wide receivers. So I don't know if that's part on the wide receiving core or part on him just kind of losing his mojo, his touch, you know, stuff like that. But it was nice to see the Lions just go out there and, you know, really just kind of, you know, stomp a mud hole in them. I'm, I was I was really happy with that game. And uh, I was glad they were able to pitch a shutout. There were a couple things where they did had you know have a couple stops late to uh, to continue with you know to make sure the shutout stayed intact. And and I was the, my biggest disappointment with that game, to be honest with you, dang, is um, Zach Zenner not getting a hundred yards. He was what at ninety two. He got to ninety two yards or ninety three yards, and they oh, pull him to put Legarrette Blunt in the last couple. <laughs> and Legarrette Blunt just kind of was like looking, you know, for the centering guard just to run at their back so he wouldn't have to get tackled. You could tell he wasn't out there looking for a hole. He's just like, uh, okay, just tackle me. You know, that's. It was just like, give me a break, man. Like, give the ball back to Zenner, man. At least try him to, you know, get a hundred yards, but. No, they had to bring they had to bring in LeGarrette Blunt to you know give him some runs, and he was just obviously looking for a wall of people to run into, so he wouldn't have to get hit downfield. You're really mad about that, Grifka. Really, you were like ticked off. I was, at, I was, I was disappointed. I was disappointed that Zach Zenner, oh, who gosh. like everybody touts, and I, you know, all these, oh, everybody's like, we need to see more of him, and like we've always said, there's got to be reasons why the guy's not starting. You know, the guy's not on the field. There's got to be reasons, but. You know, he gets up to 93 yards. The guy's running. 
you know, and, you know, his best game of his career, and like, oh, we got to pull in the book, you know, or signing the Garrett Blunt in. I'm just like, whatever. I was, I was disappointed in that. Yes, yes, I was disappointed <laughs> in that. Oh, you would pick something dumb out like that, but hey, Griff, real quick, I always tell you every week, you got to play the hits. Tell the people why you have a soft spot in your heart for Zach Center, why the people like him so much. Oh God, it's the the alliteration, man. It's that double Z. <laughs> If he had three Z's in his name, he'd be asleep. <laughs> Double initials. Oh man, classic. So, uh, yeah, man, you hit on you hit on everything. I mean, I was proud of the defense too. They stood up late and played well. Um, you know, I thought you know for the little credit that we wanna that you wanna give them. I mean, you always are dogging on Matt Pad. He doesn't have them ready. They're not ready to play. I mean, this game meant nothing, and they had a game plan. They came out and executed. They. Um, seemed to sort of keep the pedal to the metal. I mean, they didn't slip up too much there towards the end of the game, which was always good to see. And I mean, I thought it was a great game. Even guys like uh, Tease were out there and, and seemed to fare decent. I mean, those are things that they can build off. So I know we were kind of saying, hey, just lose for the draft pick. But, hey, the more I watched that game, I was texting with some friends. I was kind of like, the more we kept piling it on them, I was like, this is kind of fun. You know what I mean? Like, I was considering draft pick and wanting them, but the more we kept scoring, the better the defense was playing. We're shutting down the run. They can't throw the ball anywhere. I'm thinking, you know, this is this is why we watch. These are the kind of games we want. So it, it was good stuff. Um, Griffco, a couple discussion items before we get to Bobby Quinn. Like, what do you think of BP? I mean, I've been touting Brandon Powell all year saying – this guy looked good in preseason. He's shifty. He's young. He put up production. He's just never getting a chance. Then he, we have all these injuries. He's still inactive all the time. Then he gets out there. What do he have? Like over Hundy, I think. He had a bunch of yards and looked exactly like I thought. Shifty could catch the football. I mean, what, why did this come now, and why can't he keep it going? I'm. It, it was, once again, it was a pleasant surprise to see that, and like we always say, I don't know what's happening in you know in practice why he's not getting there, but uh, I, I I would like to see him do that against well for lack of a better term first team starters I guess I mean that was it seemed like the Packers you know were out there like you said they were just looking to get off the field they wanted to get done I don't know if he was just chewing up a bunch of guys that just didn't want to be there or if um you know this is something that he can really do I'm not ready to you know you know, hitch my wagon to him to uh, say like, this needs to be our slot receiver going into next year. But um, to see what, to see at least that glimmer to at least give him a chance. He should be a guy who's on the roster next year. And not like, I'm not saying he's going to be one of the top three guys, but I think he should be on the roster and at least give him a, a legitimate shot. He should at least in the preseason, get some reps with the first team to see if he can do that against some first, second team guys, as opposed to like trying to do it against a bunch of guys that are, you know, trying to put stuff on tape for teams or fourth, fifth string guys in the preseason, you know, that aren't going to be there. But yeah, I would like to see that and see a little more of that because he did look awful shifty running that underneath, you know, kind of like a very poor man's golden Tate at this point. But um, I, I would like to see a little more of that. So yeah, I mean, w- what you've been touting, you know, I will uh, put a feather in your cap for that. I, uh, so I'm not saying he's number three either, but I mean, it's just something to build off. And I think, you know, as much as I was for the Golden Tate trade, like once we start digging into draft and into free agent stuff, like, yeah, I think they do need a, 
you know, even with a healthy Marvin and a, and a Kenny G out there, they need some more blue chip playmakers, you know, whether it be at the tight end position, slot receiver, um, you know, another running back to complement what carry on is going to do next year. So, you know, I think he can be in the mix as a depth player. I mean, he can definitely bump out your boy TJ Jones, but um, you know, I think we still need to add players there that can score touchdowns and can score big touchdowns. I mean, we need big over the top plays and BP's not one of those guys, but He's definitely a guy that, um, you know, like you said, roster player, adept guy, and a guy that, you know, I don't want him to give up on him, and he just needs opportunity, I think. And when he got it, he showed up big. So, um, Griff could talk to me a little bit about a shutout. I mean, it's hard to get no matter when you get it. Um, nice to see. We kind of hit on it earlier, but just talk a little bit about what we saw again, run defense, being able to play the pass, and uh, what's the ceiling for this D moving forward? Yeah, I'm. I'm always happy with the shutdown. I was. I was very happy they were able to preserve that. It always seems in, like in games like that, where mm-hmm. the other team is just trying to at least get three points on the board so they don't get shut out to keep something intact. You know, we haven't been shut out in you know x amount of years or x amount of games. So for um then to um to continue to play well on defense that whole game and not just kind of let off the accelerator and just let them score three points or whatever, even though the game was out of hand. I was. I was happy to see that. Now, still, I mean, I know we can talk about this in upcoming shows that, you know, what this team needs, but um, I, I still think they need, you know, they obviously still need a pass rush. And so if they were able to get that, maybe another uh, another uh, linebacker, some more help in the defensive backfield, especially another starting corner. I mean, this this defense, the run defense with, the, with Snacks being on it definitely improved, but they just need to really um, – they have to get more pressure on the quarterback. I mean, there was a lot of coverage sacks out there, you know, but there were some of those coverage sacks, you know, where, like, the defense is covering for, like, seven, eight seconds. And that's a long time, you know, for defensive backs to be out there covering. So they need to, they need to get somebody on there. So, you know, somebody on that roster can get to the quarterback a little quicker. And um, I'm not saying this could be, like, you know, top five defense with what's on there right now, but they could definitely be somewhere in the, at least in the top ten if they were able to get, I, I would, I would say at least, at least a pass rusher can get some constant pressure on the quarterback, and at least somebody who's, I'm not saying an All Pro, you know, even a Pro Bowl cornerback on the other side of Slay, but somebody who's definitely better than Tease Tabor or Nevin Lawson. They just need a definite upgrade over there, and this, this could be a, um, you know, top, top ten, top twelve, you know, defense in the league. Yeah, I think they finished ten this year. I mean. Give us your quick take on, um, you know, when I remember watching the game, it's been a couple weeks now, like, uh, again, I remember big plays by Slay, just always right where he needed to be, breaking up the football. But, I mean, Quandre Diggs, Grifka, I mean, we paid him. This guy comes like a missile and hits people. He makes plays on the football. You can put him down on tight ends. You can move him around. He plays the run. He plays the pass. He's a big player, and what I really want, though, is your quick take on Pro Football Focus rating Tracy Walker as the top's rookie safety. Like, I felt like we didn't see much from him, but he's getting lots of love from lots of different people. I mean, could you imagine Tracy and Quandre back there? That's a good safety tandem if Tracy Walker pans out. Yeah, now, the um, I saw that also. I was reading that, and I saw that in an article about Tracy Walker and I don't know if it's based on a certain amount of plays, like you have to have X amount of plays to qualify 
you know, it's obviously not based on, you know, well, some rookie safety's out there for five plays and he played good on five plays. Oh, this guy's awesome. He's the best. But so it's obviously based on X amount of plays. But you're right. It just didn't seem like there was a lot of times was just, we were kind of hoping to see more of him. But um, they felt more comfortable with, you know, Glover Quinn out there. Um, it sounds like going into next year, it sounds like Tracy Walker may be the guy. I don't know if they're ready to hand him the keys yet to that. But, you know, it doesn't sound like Quinn, Quinn's going to be back. So I, I would like to see Tracy Walker back there. From what I did see from him, he looked pretty decent. But um, I know Quandre Diggs has been around for a few years. But uh, he's still pretty young. And uh, that could be a couple that could be a couple real good safeties back there if um, – Walker develops, you know, how they thought they would thought he would when they drafted him and Diggs continues to play the way he has because the way um, I know when they drafted him, I was happy with it. I didn't think he'd I, I, I thought he'd be decent, but I, I think he's a little better than decent even. Um, yeah, I, I, I think he's one of those guys that I thought Miles Killebrew could be when they drafted him, but uh, Killebrew hasn't really panned out. So, you know, those two in the defensive backfield, I mean, that could be probably one of the better young safety tandems back there with um if Walker continues to improve and even Diggs improves some, but you know, Diggs a pro bowler this year and he had a busted hand and he was out there playing. So um that that could be a good young safety tandem out there. Yeah, I mean I think Tracy Walker just looks the part in the uniform. I mean I've never seen a player in the football or the NBA or anywhere with longer arms than Tracy Walker. Uh, he seems to move well I guess the grading scale was just like no matter how many plays you played, like were you in position? Did you make the play when it was there? How many tackles did you miss? All that kind of stuff. And I guess he graded out on really well on all that. So, I mean, he's where he needs to be. He's doing well when he's out there, even though he's not out there much. So something to build on. I mean, there's been a lot of buzz about the Lions maybe taking a high safety and playing some three safety defense. And my quick take on that is I do think, excuse me, to spend a high draft resource on another safety even though I see their value you can move them around if they're good enough you can play them as a cover corner basically or a back end guy that can can help the run game can blitz all that type of stuff so I see where they're really valuable but I think we're good with those two guys and and some some depth you know moving forward but we'll kind of see what Matt Patton those guys want to do but I'm with you man we're top 10 this year uh, add some pass rush, add some playmakers, and this defense could be special because, man, Snacks Harrison for fifth rounder is just absolute gold. Get on the field. He fits the city perfectly. He's a great guy off the field. I mean, which is what a great acquisition by Bobby Quinn. So that kind of changed our whole defense and uh, gives us a lot of hope moving forward, which I think is great. So um, really excited about what they're going to add in free agency in the draft. And uh, that's going to have to probably be until we see otherwise and see some more playmakers. Like I'm going into next year thinking we're going to try to play good defense every week and then see what kind of points we put up rather than me always saying, oh, we're going to score 30 because they're going to have to prove that to me again that they can put up those kind of points when healthy. I I think they still can and will, but there's some work to be done there. So final discussion point, Grifka, before we get into Bobby Quinn, uh, where's your off-season focus? I mean, the games are over. We're starting the off-season, still a few months away from free agency and the draft, but – where's your focus and what does this team need to do right now and in the few next few months to really get this thing turned around? Um, 
is, you know, short-sightedness, broad stroke, I would say defense. Uh, but really, I think the team itself is obviously every team's going to do this. They're going to break down every position, see what they're really going to need, see where the real weaknesses are. And um, I'm still a firm believer that more of the weaknesses on this team lie on the defensive side of the ball, especially with the money that they've sunk in on the offensive side of the ball. I really think they need to sink some money into that defensive side of the ball. And, uh, and offensive-wise, I think the biggest weakness there has to be that tight end. So if they focus anywhere, you know, that's where I would focus first. I don't want them to waste a high draft pick on a tight end. You know how I feel about that. So I don't want to see the eighth pick, even if they trade down, you know, you know, to uh, take a tight end. Um, but uh, I think really the defense is where they really, really need to focus. And like I said, getting a pass rush, I think they still need another linebacker, you know, maybe two and definitely help on the other side at corner at cornerback. That's that's what they really got to focus on. All right, interesting. So you want to build off what we've had as a strength here towards the end. I mean, I'm with you on, you know, I love edge rushers high in the draft. You know, I don't feel like we spend a lot of high resources on corners and cover guys, so I'm, I'm there too early. But I'm leaning the other way. Like, I'm feeling like this defense – what they showed me this year and knowing that they're going to add some pieces in free agency. I think, yeah, maybe the first pick they need to go defense, but this team needs some game changing playmakers. Look, look, look at the teams that are good around the NFL. You got teams like the Rams, the chiefs. The only reason these offenses are high flying is because they have people that have crazy speed. They have just, instead of two receivers where people can cover them up, they got three, four receivers. They got a, an impact type tight end they got a running game you know that's what really makes you dynamic is having all these blue chip playmakers that are just unguardable so I'm thinking second round third round and then you know those middle rounds of the draft if the best player on the board's an offensive playmaker especially a guy that can stretch the field with some speed an underneath receiver that is really shifty or another dynamic running back uh, to pair up. I think that I'm not going to shy away from that. I mean, I've always been a proponent of beef up this D, but I feel like they're pretty good now and a few pieces can get them over the hump per se. But, you know, even as much as I like Kenny and carry on, like, you know, we need at least two more playmakers, I'd say on the offense side of the ball and get rid of some people like, I think I've seen enough of Theo Riddick. Like, he's a good pass catcher, but I'm ready to move on from him. Like, I've seen enough from our receivers that we already talked about. Like, let's get rid of them and get some young blood in here that can really have a higher ceiling and be more impactful. So that's where my offseason focus is going to be. While you're focusing on the defense, and I think that's a good, you know, basic standard way to look at it, like, I'm going to kind of be breaking down some of these offensive guys and saying, who can we add because, you know, this is a big year for Matt Stafford. I'm going all in on him this year, but I think, again, he's going to need the players around him, and he's going to need to, uh, you know, play well to accentuate those guys to really get humming with the other teams in the league because there's a lot of teams out there that are loading up on that side of the football and going to be putting up points, and we got to be able to keep up too as well as hold them off. So that'll be good. We'll have different focuses heading into the offseason. Um Great win over the Packers. you got to love it no matter when it is, how it is. We'll take it every day of the week and drink a big glass of that Detroit Kool-Aid. So, Grifka, with that being said, this guy had not spoken, I think, since the draft, the pre-draft, or right after the draft. Bob Quinn stepped to the podium. 
midweek or towards the end of the week last week, I believe it was. And, uh, man, he had me hanging on every word, man. I thought this guy dominated the podium. I thought he stood up there and he absolutely was honest, straightforward. He sounded like a smart football guy and a guy that also is ashamed that it did not work out this first year. But, you know, if they can bounce back, I felt like he had great answers across the board. Some of those we'll get into here. What did you think? I mean, I, you better watch this whole press conference, Chris, because it was, it was absolute gold. It was, it was the best thing from a Lions executive that I had heard in probably over a decade, if not longer. <laughs> okay. I, I think you were, uh, you, you were looking at that with like uh, Lions colored glasses. I was like, this is stuff I've kind of heard before. Um, it's just uh, you know regular GM speak, GM talk, and uh, here we go. People. That's, that's just kind of the way. That's kind of the way I looked into it. He, he didn't give us nothing all year as coach. He didn't give us nothing all year. So it's not once again he's going to come out and make these big sweeping statements that are just going to blow everybody's mind. It was just you know we're you know we got to a uh, you know this general uh, GM speak is is what I took from it. So. I was just like, once again, okay, oh you know, because like, we ne- talked about this before, I'm in, I'm in the you better show me stage at, of, of my fandom, so that's where, okay, nice talking points, but you know what's kind of stuff I've heard before, so that, that's what I thought. Oh boy, okay, well, let's get into the meat and potatoes then, so right off the get-go, Bob Quinn's smart enough to know that these imbeciles from the Detroit media are going to ask him one question, which is like, you stood up here last year and you said 9-7 and seven wasn't here, this is my Dave Burkett impression uh Grifka just for you does he sound like uh, this? last last year you said that nine and seven wasn't good enough but now you were six and ten what the heck like and so Bob Quinn stands up there and goes nine and seven didn't get us in the playoffs six and ten didn't get in the playoffs if we don't get in the playoffs we can't in a Super Bowl so what the heck's the difference next and that was like that's what it boils down to, man. There's there's no second place in the NFL. There's no, hey, good job for getting to the playoffs and putting up a Grifka playoff banner. Like, you're either winning the Super Bowl or you're not, and you're trying to do it the next year. So I was so glad he answered it that way and shut these people down who just wanted to sort of hold him. Well, you said – it's well, like hold on a yeah, second. Nine and seven isn't good enough. Uh, he still believes that. I mean, what? He didn't win more. I mean, but what, uh, what's he supposed to do about it? Would the nine of seven, the nine and seven this year would have made the playoffs? I, I don't know if they would have owned the tiebreakers over Philadelphia. Who cares? Now. What do you mean? Who cares? Philadelphia just went to Chicago and won. So, like to say, like, oh, who cares? I mean, I mean, come on already. I mean, if nine and seven, yeah, last year didn't make the playoffs, but it could have this year. I mean, I, like I said, Grifka, I don't know if they own the tiebreakers the and don't say who cares because Philadelphia oh. went to Chicago and beat Chicago. So, um, so for Bob Quinn to say like who cares? Yeah, you're right. Who cares? You can say that this year because you were six and ten. But if you're nine and seven, would have made the playoffs. You could have went on the road and made an upset. So for him to say like, oh, who cares? Next question. Well, yeah, it's easier for you to say that garbage because you're not there. I mean, but you're nine and seven. No, Grifka, the Philadelphia Eagles. You're missing the seven, point. You know, we just walked into, just walked oh into Soldier Field. And, and one there. We heard so, you already with that. What's that? Like last year, last year they were nine and seven and they missed the playoffs. He didn't say, oh, this year, if we would have been nine and seven, uh, it would have made a difference. Uh, yes, if we would have snuck in the playoffs at nine and seven this year, he would have taken it because that gets you in the dance and a chance to win. But six and ten doesn't, and eight and eight wouldn't have, and all these other records wouldn't have. So what does it matter? None of that matters if you're not 
don't have the record to get in and or win the whole thing. That's what he was saying. So your argument about oh, if they've been a nine and seven this year, they might. It, that's not the point. The point is last year they fell short, and this year they fell the, short. And the numbers the, nine the and point, seven, six the and point ten, is, four and twelve doesn't matter. The point is he he did his Marty Warning wig. The bar is high, bull crap, and he stumbled over it. And he was trying to look like oh Barney badass, trying to well, it doesn't matter. We were six and ten. Well, yeah, that's on you, boy. I mean, so, you know, that's on you. So I, I'm not sitting there, like, patting this guy on the back, you know, you know, blowing whistles for the guy because, like, oh, you really told Dave Burkett because we were 6-10. and 10. Yeah, congratulations, dude. You brought in a guy that you were, like, bar is high, next level, and you dropped us down to 6-10. and 10. Oh, and wouldn't man, we were in the playoffs anyways. Hey, it's not good enough. Next question. Well, hey, thanks. You know, thanks for your awesome no answer there. You know, so, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> It's not a no answer, Griff. It's black and white. Either you're in and you have a chance to win the Super Bowl or you're not. In the last two years, they haven't been. So both years were not good enough. That's what he said. He didn't say, oh, uh, you know, this year is the same as last year. We did pretty well. He said both years weren't good enough and he was upset by it. But to break down, oh, we lost three more games than last year. Why didn't you keep Jim Caldwell? You said it, the, that wasn't good enough. Like, both of them aren't good enough. So that's why it's next question. It's not like, oh, uh, I thought we'd be three games better, and but we weren't. Like, anyway, get out of here. We got to move to the next thing. You, you're way off track. Whatever. That, the bar, the so, bar is high. The bar, the bar is high. We have a high bar here. The bar is high. Yeah, heard that garbage okay, well, before. I hate to, here, I hate to correct question. you there. Uh, I hate to correct you there, but Matt Pat was the one that – mistakenly said bar is high but again he doesn't know that because he's not you griff he's not holding on to things from 15 years ago with the lions and holding it against the team he just said it as something to say and you had stuff i've heard all all that rhetoric before it's morning marty morning wing all over again right that's all you heard the whole press conference was probably the one bar is high comment oh i'm sorry i was waiting for the pick and the shovel thing too and you know pad level and stuff like that so I'm sure you were because you missed the point of the actual answers here. So the next one, let's see how you can pick this apart. Um, I don't, this is probably your Dave Burkett too. I'll save uh, my impression this time of that dweeb, but somebody asked him, is Mark Stafford your quarterback? What do you think he did there? Did he him and haw? Did he say, well, we'll see what happens in the off season or I'm not sure. Or, you know, uh, Matt Stafford went out and played uh, as best as he could, and we're going to try to get him better? Or did he sit there at the podium, look him right in the eyes, and say, Matt Stafford's our quarterback. He's our quarterback moving forward. Uh, and then they tried to – is a trade a possibility? No, he's our quarterback. Shut it down. Answered it honestly. That's how he feels. He's going to build around Matt Stafford. He's paid the guy. He's here. I loved that rather than the him and haw that you get from everyone else. Like, oh, he should have him and hawed because then he could trade him. No, I mean, no. I like the answer as well. I mean, I did. I like the answer as well because you have to show confidence in the guy. One, yeah, you paid him. And two, if he's going to be your team leader, you got to show that the front office office has the confidence in him, that he's not going to go over there looking over his shoulder wondering, you know, obviously because, like you said, all these people are putting reports out there besides even the Detroit media. Even other analysts are like, well, you could trade him to this team and, you know, the hit would only be this and this would be good and, yeah, you would only stink for another year. And you go, you know, it's, it's, it's no longer just Detroit reporters writing this stuff. It's other analysts from around the league. And I know you've read that and seen that as well. So for him to come out and say that, yeah, I was happy he did that because, yeah, it show, it backed the guy. And so Matt Stafford's not worrying about, 
you know, looking over his shoulder. Is he going to be traded? You know, it's like, no, he's our guy. This is our guy going forward. So, yeah, I was very happy with that response. There you go. And now it sits on number nine to have a heck of an off season. Did you ever see the Tom Brady Facebook thing, Grifka, where it showed him in the off season and all the different stuff he does? No, I haven't actually. It's incredible, man. Tom Brady's in his backyard and probably like, you know, March, April, May, whatever it was putting on, he puts on his shoulder pads. He runs these in pocket drills where he's like getting away from things, throwing the football, like, is Matt Stafford doing that? I mean, again, I'm backing the guy. I'm going all in on him for 2019. But go watch that sometime and, and ask yourself, is number nine doing all that when he's sitting wherever his how, big old house is and, and probably like, you know, Novi or uh, Birmingham, wherever so, yeah, he's at he, these days? I like, think he I don't lives think in Georgia so. in the offseason, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's probably not here. But, like – I just think that's going to make the difference. Like because Bob Quinn supported him, now it's on Matt Stafford to have the offseason of his life for the team to add some playmakers and to beef up the defense and for him to come back and it's on him to play well next year, you know, with the players around him if he's getting all this support. So I hope he takes that as a big old challenge. And when he gets this coordinator too, he takes that as a challenge of like, hey, I got to step up. I got to play better consistently and in big games. So, you know, that was a big moment of the presser, no doubt. Krifka, you didn't love when they asked him about the tight ends and he was so honest about the Gronk trade, about all these other tight ends he tried to go get and that didn't work out. Like, you didn't like that honesty from your GM? He he was he threw some stuff out there saying they went after a bunch of high-end tight ends. Me and you are saying, thank goodness they didn't get him because we don't value that position very much, but – um, you know, it sounds like they were really aggressive in a lot of areas. Yeah, it's just with that, all I could think was like, yeah, it was nice to hear that. I guess because the, he didn't write down a whole lot of the details, like what they were looking to do. So I don't know, you know, what they were offering, you know, if those tight ends. They were looking to get a big price tag tight end, he said. And he, Andy acknowledged that, yeah, everyone knows the Gronk situation. Right. He basically said, yeah, that's true. You've already heard that story. Like, I – what I don't get and what scared me about that is like, so he talked about it and then he also kind of said, you know, Hey, you know, we'll be looking to add to that position this year. That's where I got nervous because I don't want to spend a big resource. I want to have guys that are better than our, you know, bum skis we had there uh, in 2018, but I don't want to go out and spend a second round pick on a, on a tight end necessarily, even though I like, I just went on that mini rant about wanting blue chip playmakers offensively. Like, you know, if they go out and spend on a big tight end or give Tyler Eifert a bunch of money when he's hurt all the time, like, I'm not going to love that move, I don't think. But, well, first of all, I just want to say the Lions have Levine Toilolo, and we might have found something in him. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but uh, best, best blocking uh, past tight end in the league I saw yeah. in an article. And, uh, so he's got that going for him. But, Go with his four catches for the year. Yeah. Um, but uh, like I said, I just I know there was like offers, and I think the offer it was kind of made public or somehow it was leaked out, kind of what they offered for Gronk. But yeah, yeah, they were out trying to get some big, you know, big number tight ends. But what were they offering re- in return? Where the other teams were like, no, we'll just hold what we got. That's what I mean. He wasn't really. I mean, nobody really trying to drop specifics on it, you know, because then you get second yeah. question on everything. Like, oh, why didn't you offer this instead? If they wanted this, why didn't you do that? You know, so. Um, 
it just I, I'm not quite for sure what the other teams were looking or even because like I said you didn't drop a whole lot of names like who were they looking for were they looking for somebody like Jimmy Graham or you know I don't know who else but I know there's a couple of tight ends in Tampa Bay Tampa Bay has a couple of good tight ends and I wouldn't mind either having either one of those guys on on the lines to be honest with you so uh, yeah we're not to be honest with you there he goes Abel uh they weren't gonna they're not gonna trade OJ but like Cameron Brate's a big name this year but let's get away from the Titans for a second like but what you wanted to hear and I man I wish I could play a clip or we could go revert the clock back to that day they trade Golden Tate you lost your mind so they asked him about the Golden Tate trade, trade what'd you think about what he said I mean he he said that a bunch of teams calling nobody offering anything he said the Eagles called at 8 a.m didn't offer anything and then by 9 10 a.m you know they offer you they can't refuse like didn't that give you a little insight to like hey this guy didn't really like want to trade him, but when they upped their offer to a third rounder the morning of the trade deadline, he had to do it for value purposes. And that's what I tried to tell you. It's all about value. And eight more games with Golden Tate versus the value of a third rounder, which you get for five years at no money, is crazy good. Okay. Um, first thing I want to do is point out that Golden Tate had a winning touchdown on a 9-7 and seven playoff team on the road. So um, mm, I, 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 just, I just want to bring One that play. up. <laughs> I just want to bring that up. Um, I knew you would. What else did he do? Not much, but, uh, you know, of course, validate your arguments. So you bring that yep, up. But so I, I'm happy for the guy. Like I got nothing against what? him, but he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna get us to the playoffs or win a bunch of big games. So uh, I'll take the third rounder all day. Right. But um, and I'm glad Bobby Quinn did. But it's it's kind of like one of those things. I know I, I've discussed this with you before, like in fantasy football trades. Nothing is worse than like when somebody says like, "Hey man, uh, you want to trade?" Because people always used to do this to me. I was on a fantasy football team and I had Calvin Johnson like. Okay, you want to trade Kelvin Johnson? I'll be like, um, yeah, sure. What, what's up? They're like, make me an offer. I'm like, I'm not looking to trade him, so why am I going to make you an offer to give away a guy? So maybe teams were doing that. Like, hey, you want to trade Golden Tate? You're not going to resign him? Yeah, we can listen. Okay, make me an offer. Well, I'm not you know, just going to give him away because he said, I, I hate that. If you want somebody, bring something to the table for me. And if all those teams were doing that, finally the Philadelphia's like, okay, you know, this guy's getting some play, you know, because, you know, stuff like that gets around in the league, you know, people hear stuff and the contact, it's like, hey, because it was it, um, I heard was it New England made a play for Tate as well. But um, it's one of those things like it gets around where Philadelphia's like, okay, man, if they're going to trade him, we're going to have to do something, which okay, like you said, all these other teams are just kind of like, well, make me an offer. Well, I'm not looking to get rid of him at this point. Why don't you bring me something? And Philadelphia finally stepped to the table and said, okay, this is what we'll do. We'll give you a third-round pick. You know, bing, yeah, we'll make the trade. So um, <laughs> so maybe that's what was happening when people were like, well, you, you Golden Tate's on the trading block? Well, yeah, we could. We're listening. Oh, good, make me an offer. I ain't going to make you a freaking offer. You're the one coming to me. I mean, do you go to a car dealership and say, <laughs> okay, like, hey, you want you, you want to sell me that Escalade? Uh, sure. Well, good. Why don't you give me a price? Well, no. Why don't you make me a price? <laughs> You're the one who wants to buy the thing. I mean, walk away. I mean, yeah. Stuff like that just annoys me. Okay. Anyway, so, yeah. Okay, it was, but you it was don't like, know any of that happened. But... Came to the table, you know, like you said, trades happen quickly. It, it happens in all sports, but like you said, if a lot of teams were kicking the tires and Philadelphia stepped up because they heard the rumblings that New England might get him, I mean, yeah, okay, getting a third-round pick, okay. But once again, he did have the game when he touched oh, down for a 9-7 playoff team that was on the road. 
now now Grifka's come around where it's okay. Where before you lost your mind and they had quit on the whole everything. Okay, but he could have been on a ninety seven team the, the, as the well. Classic and, Grifka you know, flip flop touchdown for a road playoff team. And oh wait, he did do that. Never mind. <laughs> okay, what did what did you think about him acknowledging that they had some discussions on Khalil Mack, which we were banging the table for? I think discussions right there was just kind of um. To, to hear that, it's one of those things like to say like, yeah, we were we were thinking about it, we were in on it, but I don't know if they were ever really serious about it. I think that's one of those things like where you hear all those teams are in on it and they just want to be like, yeah, yeah, we made some phone calls, we were in on it. But what Oakland was looking for, I, I think they just kind of like one of those things like, yeah, they made a phone call or two and once they found out what the price tag was, it was just we're out the door. That's kind of what I read into that, What how I feel what ultimately happened because – once again, if you feel your team's that close, you're going to pull that trade. But they they didn't th- they didn't think the team was that close to give up a couple first round picks, or maybe they were offering you know like a third or a fifth or you know a future second or something. Who knows? But you know that's kind of what I once they heard the price, they kind of they've shut it down at that point. Yeah, this is one of the rare times I'll do a reverse spell, which is uh, hey Grifka, I agree with you. Um. I think it was the same way. I think they kind of checked in. Price was too high. Didn't want to deal with all the stuff that was going on and probably bailed. But what I loved about it was, like, every time another media member or another coach gets asked about this kind of stuff, they're just like, ah, well, you know, um, you know, I, I don't want to talk on hypotheticals or, oh, you know, um, you know, I don't want to get into the discussions we had with other – you know, those are the kind of answers you get. We didn't get those this time. We got, like – legit answers to questions even when they're vague there's still something i mean he could have easily dodged that question and say it's like yeah we had some discussions but other there's a bunch of other teams out there they asked the whole league and and that's pretty much the way it went down like that's an honest answer from a guy who i want my gm to be straightforward i don't want him to give away all the trade secrets but i want him to be um, straight to the point and deal with players and agents and everybody like that so i thought he served well speaking of being honest Let's talk about his, his comments on T's Tabor. I mean, that's the one I was waiting for where he did come out and say he'd never watched more tape than anyone, you know, they did on T's. This guy's been two years now, has not played good, has not made any impact plays. None of his instincts have showed up and made, you know, any bit of difference. Like, that's where you can really hold Bob Quinn to the fire of, like, man, you know, he his draft record, if you look at it, is pretty good. But this is a big miss, and this is a miss where he came out and said he had spent more time than any other player. So this one is kind of on him. So paraphrasing his comments, he just said Tease is still developing. Um, he hasn't played as well as I would have hoped. That's um, clear, he said, I believe. And then he, he said, you know, he still hopes that, you know, he can keep developing and can find a place on this team or something to that effect. And I thought that's exactly where he's at. I mean, basically acknowledged so far he's missed. He hasn't been a good NFL player, but they're still hoping maybe in year three that there's something. And all of us out here as fans are going, no, we've seen him enough. There's nothing. He's too slow. He can't cover people, but hopefully they're seeing something in the building where they can still get something out of this guy. I mean, what'd you think of the whole tease Tabor um, take by Bob Quinn, the honesty there? I, I like how he admitted it. Because there's a lot of times like that doesn't happen with other teams. You know, I'm not talking just the Lions. I'm talking with other teams. It it always comes down to like 
you see that stuff where high draft picks get cut, and it's always like, well, you know, it just didn't work out, or you know, we thought he, you know, just wasn't quite a right fit for the system. It's always kind of like these these back excuses where it kind of cover it kind of covers their butt. At least he kind of admitted, it's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, I watched a lot of tape on this guy, but uh, he didn't think he wasn't as good as I thought he'd be. So um, it, it was mm-hmm. nice that he came out and actually admitted that um, to say that he's still, ho- you know, there's still hope for him. I think that might be just rhetoric, you know, just kind of say we still believe in him to kind of give him hope. He's still under contract, you know, but mm-hmm. like you said, we've seen enough of him chasing down guys two steps behind the play, you know, um, you know, missing tackles, you know, getting his ankles busted on double moves. And I realize, don't give me, I realize a lot of defensive backs bite on double moves and look stupid, but you know, when, when, he's covering the crossing route and he's two, three steps behind the guy because he's just not fast enough to cover the guy or anytime, you know, there's a play his way where he's on the guy and then there's a penalty flag for pass interference or defensive holding was I, I was, I read that stat that he had just as many defensive pass interference or defensive penalties on him as Nevin Lawson with only like half of the opportunities thrown against him. So that's just not a good sign. So he still has a long way to develop, and I'm happy they believe in the guy, but uh, I'm ready to cut bait with the guy. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully he gets motivated this offseason and can, uh, you know, even if he's a third, fourth corner, I mean, I'm fine with that now rather than being stopped, you know, starting opposite of Slay. That ship has obviously sailed, but um, if he can be a depth player, and, you know, I hate to give up on a second rounder after two years, but – We'll see in camp if he can play, if he can be on this team. If he can't, you know, they'll probably, hopefully, will cut bait and just sort of move on with some other players that can hopefully uh, do better. So the the last thing I had on the Bobby Quinn presser, Grifka, was um, I, I always like when he's talking about building long term, doing the right thing for the organization, like just that long term, big picture view, rather than sometimes. You know, I don't know, people like you um, and other folks get all caught up in the little nuances or being a fan that Sunday. I mean, every Sunday is important in the NFL, but when you're the GM of an NFL team, you got to look big picture. You got to have a vision. You got to have a plan. I'm looking at this team from a, a broad scope, and I still don't see a ton of bad contracts on it. You know, as far as costs, years, all those types of things, I feel like a lot of their contracts are still really good. And snacks for that fifth round pick changing our defense may be the trade that kind of turned the ship in the right direction and a, a good off season this year and get us turned back around. So again, I like the big picture. I think let's not forget about some of the good moves he made. Let's see what he does with that third round pick for GT and uh, keep this thing moving. But, you know, overall, we don't have a ton of old guys, bad contracts, unathletic players. We just need some more blue chip skill guys what do you think i i believe they still need a little more speed on that defense so um mm-hmm. like you said depending on what they do with the, those draft picks that they had but um i mean davis has you know good straight line speed but um i still think canard's a little snow, slow christian jones i mean, had a bunch of sacks man i mean sacks I mean, there's was a plus player there's a difference you know sacks or sacks i mean but he's let's face it. I mean, yeah, sacks are not chasing the guy down from behind, making a tackle in space. That, he had some. He had some chase downs. Was Devon Kennard better or worse than you thought this year? He was better, but he's he doesn't have blazing linebacker speed though. That's why he's a strong. He makes play that, makes plays that's though. That's why he's he a strong linebacker. 
not a weak side. What about Aquara knocking out uh, Aaron Rodgers? Aquara was good all year. Yeah, I mean, picked him off the scrap heap. Yeah, I mean, he was decent, but he's not Reggie White. There, ding, I gave that to you. Um, <laughs> you set me up, so I did that one, but. Oh, I got to. But I, st- I still think they need a little more defensive speed on that. So, like you said, depending on what they do, they don't have a lot of terrible contracts. There are a couple ones that we questioned on prior shows, which we will probably end up doing in shows coming up. You know, are the guys producing for their contract, what they're paying them? I know that's what we'll be looking into. But, um, you know, a couple tweaks here and there, maybe get a couple guys to restructure. Um, like you said, um, there's a couple guys maybe they might be cap casualties, which will give them a little more money to be able to spend. But sure, they need, like you said, they need a couple offensive playmakers. But I still think they need things on that defense. I mean, yeah, the defense didn't improve, but there's still a long ways for that team to go to be a uh, a real stellar defense. Yeah, man, always work to do. We hated the record this year. Nobody uh, is excited about 6-10. and 10. I looked at the schedule next year. It's a rough, tough schedule. But uh, nothing but blue Kool-Aid heading into this offseason, man. Draft, free agency, you know, hoping some of these players pick it up from where they were this year. And uh, that good old number nine under center plays like he did in, what, 2011 when he had the 43 touchdowns and, you know, 5,000. We need that again. That's been way too long since we've seen those kind of numbers out of the guy. So hopefully he balls out. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I love the Bobby Quinn presser, Griff. I don't know how you couldn't love it. But, again, Mr. Skeptic, Mr. Negative. Show uh, me. I thought it was tremendous. Show and, me. Uh, and we'll get it. We'll get this thing turned around. So you got anything else before we get out of here for this episode? No. Uh, that's, I think we've covered it all. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for hanging in there with us. We, uh, we're we sorry we missed last week. We know some people, uh, all the listeners out there were kind of looking, where was the show? Where was the Detroit Kool-Aid? They were missing their uh, daily or weekly dose that uh, we give them here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. But, um, you know, we're happy to be back. We hope everybody will uh, check us out on Friday where we're going to be dropping an episode. And I think Griff is going to kind of lead us on that one. It's going to have a team review. We're going to be talking some best and worst and uh, we talk in everything Lions like we do each and every week. So everybody uh, hit us up on uh, Twitter, on uh, all the different podcast platforms, share it with a friend, and come back on Friday and check us out for another episode of the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. For me, for Grifka, we'll catch you guys on Friday. We're out. Pack the bag, start the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions! Drink it in, man!